in the podcast, ring, ring, ring. You are now listening to Loathsome Things. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> we. It's the Loathsome Things podcast where we talk about a horror movie until it's dead. Yeah, we do. And it's Christmas time. Uh, actually, according to my calendar, my handy dandy calendar, yesterday was Christmas. Yeah, hope you got everything you wanted. Yeah, happy Boxing Day, folks. Whatever that is, I think the banks celebrate it. Enjoy all the boxing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we are here to continue our trilogy of Black Christmas. We started with the original Black Christmas directed by Bob Clark. Mm -hmm. We then went to the 19, no, the 2006 remake of Black Christmas directed by Glenn Morgan. And today we will be discussing the 2019 Blumhouse Productions re-envisioning of Black Christmas directed by Sophia Takal. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Quite. <laughs> Quite indeed. <laughs> Unsuredly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Sophia Tikal had previously directed a pair of movies I know nothing about, as well as the 2018 Into the Dark New Year's horror movie, New Year, New You. Mm -hmm. And she has way more acting credits to her name, including her appearances in the anthology v VHS and Wild Canaries. Yeah, I... I really am not familiar with much of her work at all. I, I am not either. Wild Canaries is a movie that I've like seen the cover of and thought, hmm, that looks interesting. And that's about it. <laughs> I don't know. I've never even heard of that one. It, it looks OK, but apparently not OK enough for me to make the dive <laughs> and have watched it. And then uh, New Year, New You is a movie that I know I have seen, but could tell you absolutely nothing about. Oh, well, yeah. that's that's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stick around as we spend two hours talking about work she's done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, this movie was on purpose rated PG-13 and is geared towards young women interested in the horror genre. Uh, and it has the Blumhouse signature um, social awareness to it. Yeah. Um, and... It is highly criticized and hated upon for that reason. <laughs> and others, but yeah, mostly that, I think. It's it's the woke Black Christmas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. This movie stars Imogene Poots, which, you know, that's a, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but she plays Riley. Uh, you might know her from Vivarium, Green Room, 28 Weeks Later, uh, The Art of Self-Defense, and her very first movie role as young Valerie in V for Vendetta. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's been in everything. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. I was surprised once I clicked on her name. I was like, oh, I guess I know who this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, and she's excellent in this. She is. She's a, she's a good actress. Yeah. There is also Elise Shannon, who plays Chris. You might know her better as Brianna Casey in Leverage Redemption. And she was also in 11 episodes of the Charmed reboot. So apparently she is one for reboots and remakes and the like. Hmm. 
Well, yeah. young actors, that's probably the kind of stuff you get when you're trying to make a name for yourself. Especially right now, whenever like almost everything is a reboot of something else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. There's also Lily Donahue as Marty, who is probably most notable notable for being in this movie and looking strikingly similar to Olivia Hussey from the original. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's also Brittany O'Grady, who plays Jessie, but you probably know her better as Paula from White Lotus, a supposedly Lynch-esque TV series that people have been enjoying this year. Mm, nope. Mm. Okay. <laughs> haven't haven't seen it. Not I've, that one? No, I heard of it. I haven't seen oh. it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I watched the trailer and it looked uh, remarkably boring, but I have heard good things. <laughs> there's also, this one excited me, This is uh, there's Zoe Robbins is in here for a little while as Una. And uh, what made me excited is that she plays Nineveh in the new Wheel of Time TV series. So it's oh, like, oh, nice. look at her. <laughs> nice. Not very nice. And finally, this fe- this movie features the acting, actorly stylings of Kari, Carrie Elwes. I don't know how to say his name ever as Professor Gelson. Uh, you probably know him best from his role as the meter man in Hansel and Gretel Get Baked <laughs> or as the voice of the bard in the Bard's Tale video game series. He was in Men in Tights, too. Well, yeah, that, I guess. <laughs> Maybe some saw, a little bit of the Princess Bride, but just a touch. Yeah, mostly Hansel and get, Gretel get baked. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the high point of his career. Yeah, peace day resistance. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that's about it. There's lots of other people in this movie. Most of them are not famous, and when I say most of them, I mean all of them are not famous. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of I have no idea who these people are in this. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> John, would you recommend that people watch this movie before listening to the rest of this podcast? Yes, I would. Uh, but I'm not really sure why. Okay. <laughs> Well, we will get to that. I would also recommend going, go, go watch this movie because we're going to spoil it. That might be one reason why. That's a but, good reason. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, go watch it. Uh, I, I will say, um, you know, if you're just kind of a fan of horror movies, go watch this movie. If you're a diehard fan of the original uh, and don't think that women should be involved in remaking things, or if if you have feelings like when people remake things and it doesn't live up to my expectations, it ruins the original, or if you just have negative feelings towards women in general, I would say maybe you should absolutely watch this movie, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, if you feel that way, maybe <laughs> you should go fuck yourself. Yeah, maybe watch this movie five times in a row uh, and keep watching it while you sleep. <laughs> That's right. And then go <laughs> jump off a bridge, you douchebag. Yes. You ugly piece of shit. <laughs> What's that? Oh, just kidding. You don't have a microphone. Shut up. <laughs> All right. So we're going to review the movie and ruin it. So turn it off now. And now you're back. Welcome back to the podcast. John, what's the big spoiler of this film? <laughs> Supernatural take. <laughs> yes supernatural take it's the patriarchy and they have a new secret weapon yeah that was uh i mean it's not like you didn't see it coming but god damn 
It was a little, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie all the way through, but at a certain point it was like, oh, really? <laughs> That's what we're doing? I, I, okay. I was very entertained by the film, I have to say. I, I do think in retrospect, I mean, the, the message was a little heavy, <laughs> as in like ladled on heavy. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, maybe that's what young people need to get their attention. I don't know. That's true. I feel like the message in the original was very uh, subtle, um, not neutral, but very subtle and, mm -hmm. and understated. And it obviously didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe, the you know, she she has said that she didn't go out to remake the original. She wanted something that was all her own, all new and all this. And so she picked someone else's story to do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... I want something all my own. I'm going to remake this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say this movie isn't like ironed out, pristinely starched all the way through. It's a bit rough and sometimes confusing. Yeah. And it is a little bit more confusing for being called Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it at least a little bit reminds me of the, the last one that we just watched, the 2000 and uh, the 2009 one, because uh, like for a while there, I was like, Hey, this is actually pretty good. And then by the end, I was like, "Hey, it's not wasn't that great." <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a movie that you enjoy watching more than you enjoy having finished watching it. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, yeah. once you once you look back over it and have to form your opinion, it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that great. It was a yeah. little ham fisted. Yeah, a little bit, a little ham fist in there. It turns out ham is very easy to fist. <laughs> Whoa. I could have been fisting ham my whole life. <laughs> All right. Um, so the movie opens on a quote. It opens on a fake quote from a fake guy. And it says, exactly. Man possesses powers so formidable they can only be considered supernatural. With proper education, men can wield these powers and go forth into the world. That's from Calvin Hawthorne, a fake guy, founder of the fake Hawthorne College in fake 1819. Yeah, and, and I have to admit that if, if I didn't have to watch this movie, that would have been the end right there for me. Because <laughs> yeah. that quote is so stupid. <laughs> Yeah. And so bad. I just, there's no fucking way I would have gone any further. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say the first sentence does its job. The second sentence is also there. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> All right, then. Uh, then the movie switches. We can hear creepy, masculine, repetitive chanting. We see flashes of folks wearing secret cult meeting robes and a bunch of candles surrounding a bust of some dude on a pedestal in front of an oil painting of same said dude. Uh, there are fringed college colored Delta Kappa Omega uh, banners everywhere. Um, 
uh, Delta he, uh, in math and stuff stands for change, Kappa for a reliable constant, and Omega for either the end of all things or perhaps resistance, and that's cute. Aww. Yeah. It shifts, and now we're watching a bunch of women. <laughs> that's uh, going to be an important one. Women at a sorority house having fun, time, exchanging gifts. There is a prominently horned crystal unicorn in the foreground of a shot. Um, Una uh, is talking on the phone to another girl, Lindsay, who is out walking at night. She will not be coming to the Secret Santa gift exchange. It is heavily implied, but not stated, that her Secret Santa gift is a big old dildo or perhaps a vibrator, and that she is looking forward to coming back to college in January (laughs) to use that. To use the only vibrator in the country because they're really hard to come by, apparently. <laughs> yes, she lost hers. Um, and our friend went shopping on her behalf for a one of that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, where was it supposed to take place beyond Hawthorne College? Um, I don't know, but it was filmed in New Zealand. What? Yeah, this is filmed in New Zealand. Apparently, they had to import a lot of the Christmas lights, and uh, fake snow happened. Oh, wow, that's crazy. I I didn't think it was in the U.S., but I wasn't really sure where it was. I, I but that wouldn't have been my first guess. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's supposed to be like just generically Ivy League, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or or one of those like, oh no, Ivy League, please, we're much too private for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, all the, all that snow is fake. Uh, there's even, there's lots of talk in here in, uh, if you like read and listen to interviews, uh, a lot of people whine about how their shoes were ruined. Oh, from all the crap snow. Crap snow. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, we follow Lindsay as she is walking somewhere at night. A man is walking behind her. She gets a Yippee app message, which is a fake app they created for this movie, which I thought that was fun. Yippee app. Good job. Mm-hmm. She gets a Yippee app from Calvin Hawthorne, uh, the, the bust, in fact, of the founder of the college. And it says it has a pig face emoji and a good dog emoji. And it says, what do a Christmas ham and a sorority girl have in common? They both squeal before they die. So there we go. We've got we've got our piggy thing. Good job. Good job, movie. Yeah. Yeah. She is now nervous about the guy walking behind her. And I will just go ahead and say, fellas, if you're just walking to your destination, especially at night, and there's just a lone woman who happens to be walking in the same direction, be mindful of that because you're scary. Yeah. And and don't like don't do what this fucking clown does, which is like match her step by step. Yeah. And leer at her every time she turns around and looks at him. Yeah. And then, you know, then just turns away. Yeah, last second, right before she gets attacked. (laughs) Right before she gets attacked and turns around getting ready to key murder him. Yes. Yes. In fact, she, yeah, she goes in, she does the whole key claw thing, and she turns around and, like, like, 
war bellows at him as he turns to walk down an alleyway and he does not turn around he is not concerned with the lady that's like ah! at him not not even a distraction for this he's dude. just not even remotely interested <laughs> nope i'm sorry i'm playing candy crush right now <laughs> Um, but then a robed figure is behind her. What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> the figure uh, chases her in the slow way of slasher films, and she goes all panicky, run around. She ends up in a the front yard of a very decorated New Zealand Christmas home, even though Christmas happens in summer in New Zealand. And it does not look like this because you have to import Christmas lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I love in the movies, how everything's always over-decorated. Yes. It's like, hey, I wish it looked like this, like, during Halloween. <laughs> uh, let's see. The robed figure hides from her and pops out at her at various points behind and around giant inflatable Christmas decorations. She knocks over a snowman and grabs the conveniently placed ski pole the snowman was hiding or holding, and she runs away next door to a very similarly decorated house <laughs> and knocks on the door for help. Uh, this is fake snow. You can even see it. Uh, it's it's pretty bad, pretty not real looking. Uh, but as she's knocking on the door, a robed figure comes to the door. She is like, oh, no, please. He opens the door or I'm sorry. It opens the door, reaches up, grabs a handy icicle from the edge of the roof. And she falls to the ground, starts making a snow angel with her body. And uh, the robed figure stabs her in the chest. Yeah, it was a pretty cool shot. I like the snow angel. That was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. It, it then touches even nicelier because as the robed figure drags her away, the snow angel transforms either into a creepy elongated skull or perhaps a penis. Yeah, yeah. That was a pretty, pretty nice little trick there. Yeah, they did a good job. The snow looks like sand. Like the snow looks sand. like sand, and I have no idea why the robed guy was just an extra robed guy was just sitting in the house, just mm -hmm. chilling with his robe on. Just just hanging out, probably watching the game. Oh, someone's at the door. I shall, I'll go icicle murder them. Yes. Thankfully, this icicle is here. So I feel like the icicle is an homage to the the remake, the Glenn yeah. Morgan remake. Mm-hmm. But I like I, I feel like I've missed something because there's lots of things where it feels like it references the remake and not the original. And it makes me wonder if I missed something in the original. Like, was there a ski pole happening in the original? I don't remember a ski pole. I don't remember a icicle. I Yeah, I don't remember either prominently featured or featured at all in that movie. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't think so. Yeah. But this movie and the remake are like ski poles and, and icicles. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I've. If you're gonna re if you're gonna refer back to uh, one of the two movies that we've just covered, probably you want to stick with the original. Yeah, maybe maybe just a little. Although I did like you know the original. I feel like the icicle in the in the remake. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like that was a self reference to um, Final Destination. Oh right. And I feel like this movie is definitely taking that idea of oh well, we can also reference other things and just went ahead and like referenced a bunch of other things. Yeah, oh, yeah, that could be. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh. Oh yeah. Now that's that's the that's the prologue and we get the banner Black Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> uh. 
the movie comes back into view and there's a big old fluffy cat. It's great. It's the cat's name is Claudette. Yay. It's a reference to the original cat, Claude. Yay. <laughs> Claudette wakes up the main character, Riley, in the most cat way possible, which is having someone off screen throw the cat onto a person. <laughs> <laughs> totally natural. Imogene poots Israeli says, Oh, cat, no. Uh, and then as she's getting ready for the day, a girl comes in saying that she has a final in 10 minutes and lost her diva cup. She is wearing a shirt that says, Your monologue is boring me. And we, the reason that we know this is that after Riley hands her an extra maxi pad, we get an <laughs> extended shot of her reaching into her pants to apply it while making eye contact. <laughs> it was like, okay, I think we know where, where we're going with this one. Yeah. And then she just zips up, smiles for a second, and walks away. Yep. Her name is Fran. She is only in scenes with Riley. Uh, and with none of the other actors, and I believe that is supposed to be a nod to the fact that Peter in the original movie was that that actor was only on set for a week and he only had scenes with Olivia Hussey. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Riley walks downstairs with Helena, 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 whatever. They yeah. take turns encouraging one another in a very sisterly manner and in the mode of no, you are. <laughs> Yeah, that. Yeah, that goes on for a while until they make it to the kitchen when uh, we find out that Helena is nervous about her upcoming performance and Riley gives her a sacred ancestral totemic sisterhood hair comb that was passed down to her and has magical powers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. really important to the story. It was very important. And when this is going on, they are in the kitchen alone. No one else is there. Suddenly, Jessie arrives. She says, calories, please, and listens to them talk about the details other than the details that we just said. Once Helena leaves, Jessie says that it was her who gave Riley that comb, even though she didn't arrive until after Riley had said that part of the story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. Yes, Great. That's super. <laughs> Jesse returns a dress she bar borrowed from Riley so Riley can wear it to the orphan's dinner. It has been dry cleaned and is still in the dry cleaner's hanging bag, which Black Christmas fans might recognize from the original that, you know, a dry cleaning bag is significant. Mm hmm. And as she is saying this thing about the orphan's dinner, she worries suddenly about calling it that because Riley is an orphan. And Riley responds in the hilarious mode of, wait, my parents are dead? Joke. Great. <laughs> I, I would i would like to give this movie a little credit, though, because like while there's lots of lines like that in this movie... They're consistently cringy all throughout the movie, but they also do feel really, really authentic to the uh, various college-aged personalities that we see in this movie. They so, do. like, it's super cringy, uncomfortable, and kind of gross, but, like, that's how real, normal, horrible people behave. Yeah, for the most part, the, the female characters in the film are pretty natural. Uh, as far as their performances. And then, of course, the guys are completely over the top douchey, mm -hmm. douchey guys. So that which is a great reversal of the way some, you know, other other movies have approached things. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so it's good. It's just occasionally you're going to get a line like this that, you know, kind of bulges out of the movie script like a uh, sports injury. It's like, <laughs> oh, God, where? Oh, no. <laughs> Ooh, that's not going to heal. Um, I also. Oh, yeah. I want to note it's uh, it's cool that the all of the ways that the movie diverges from the original, but it keeps all of these like iconic story beat elements like the, mm-hmm. the orphan dinner and, and all of the, like the, the dry cleaning bag. Like it's, it's not telling the same story, but it's like got enough like little cool Easter eggy aspects of it that it, it, it just feels very um, sincere, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think that was, I, I, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. On her way to class, Riley walks past kids reassembling the snowman that we saw uh, Lindsay knock over earlier in the movie. We get flashes to creepy and weirdly awesome looking cherub gargoyle things adorning the important looking college building. Mm-hmm. Those are cool. Yeah, that is apparently the clock tower building at the University of Otago. Oh, that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, not in Old Zealand. No, no, no. 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 Uh, in class, Carrie Elwes is professing about Sky Colt, belly magic, and the spectacular glory of male civilization. Yeah. And it turns out that the thing that he's talking about is one of those classic professor traps, the kind that really only happen in preachy movies and dramatic TV series intended to teach young feminist women that some women can also be dicks. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he, he's his character is absolutely horrible. It's just the worst. And he does such a good job of it. I hate him a little now. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's disturbingly good at being yeah. that douchebag. He's like, oh, this. Oh, yes, I can do this. <laughs> this I've got. <laughs> yeah, this will be nothing compared to my performance as meter man in Hansel and get- Gretel get baked. <laughs> Uh, apparently, Professor Carrie Elwes uh, teaches the classics, which is still a very topical thing today. And he is whining about people trying to get him fired. Uh, he says, quote, there are no covert meetings in hidden rooms where men discuss how to bury women. End quote. Fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also a total lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So such a precision lie. It is great. <laughs> I like how he says it like it's such a ridiculous thing that someone would even, you know, that that like he's basically saying that people are implying that the guys are just horrible to women. And he, he just has to take it to this extreme when, of course, that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> that's what he's been presiding over. <laughs> he probably just came from one of those. Yeah. <sighs> the movie switches to Chris, who is outside trying to get people to sign a petition, quote, against Professor Gelson and the ruthless misogyny of higher education, end quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riley and Marty walk out of class together. Marty talks about her mom. Chris says she's already gotten 50 signatures. We are told that Chris got the college to remove the bust of Calvin Hawthorne from the administration building. Yeah. Sorry, Calves. Yeah. We find out that Calvin Hawthorne was a sexist and a racist and owned slaves in the North. And there are stories that he sacrificed disobedient women to male pagan gods. Okay. 
<laughs> Calvin's a real piece of work. Real piece of work. <laughs> and nothing says like open-minded and progressive, like calling things pagan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Chris says that since they've moved the bust into the frat house, the frat guys can now, quote, junk off onto the bust. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is poorly dubbed, that word junk. And uh, it turns out that the reason that that and many other of the horrible lines in this movie are so awkward and sound so different from the rest of the movie are that whenever they sent the original in, they were <laughs> the ratings people are like, oh, this is an R-rated movie. If you take out these bad words, you might be able to get it down to PG-13. So they did. Wow. Yeah, so junk off. Yeah, junked off. Yeah, just they can junk off onto it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A phrase yeah. no one uses. Nope. College girls <laughs> junk off. <laughs> <laughs> now we're at a coffee house where they are discussing the composition of what's considered the classics and white the white supremacist patriarchy. We find out that something bad has happened to Riley. We've been getting little clues about it all along, but never a direct statement. Uh, we get the impression that Riley is perhaps a little more fragile or angry than she's been trying to appear. And all of this time, there is a dude just standing there the whole time. He's just standing there, not getting anything that even remotely resembles customer service. But it turns out that he will, yes, indeed, sign the petition. Yeah. Good old, what is it, Landon? Landon. What a dick. Yes. Uh, There's then a awkward style meet cute between him and Riley. Aww. (laughs) Meet cute. Yes. It's been a while since we've had a meet cute on this show. (laughs) I know. She watches him leave. He awkwardly gets stuck in a perpetual state of holding the door open for a lot of people. They smile at each other from across the room, and then suddenly a bad college-branded sweater dude eclipses the cute guy. The mood of the movie darkens, and Riley looks suddenly on the verge of upsetness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, dude wants coffee. No one likes him. He says Brian is coming from D.C. to meet the new pledges. Chris says Brian belongs in jail for what he did to Riley, but she says it kind of in a way that it makes it sound like he cheated on her. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. It wasn't great. The dude ignores that. He says, we're going skiing together. Don't worry, it's consensual. (laughs) (laughs) To which Chris throws a very very satisfying cup of water into his face. Yeah, yeah, that escalated very quickly. Yes, yeah. Uh, After he leaves, Marty says that she thinks they should not go to the banquet like their sisters from the other sorority, the ones that we saw earlier in the movie. Riley says she will be okay. Sisters are doing it for themselves. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's good. (laughs) Giving each other the gift of doing it for themselves. Junking off. (laughs) Don't worry, this movie gets even more awkward, kind of. Oh, man, does it? Okay. At the Delta Kappa Omega party, the girls are, er, I'm sorry, the women are all getting dressed up in sexy Mrs. Claus costumes. Marty gets her boyfriend, quote, smoosh. 
to take a picture of them. Is we that, find. Is what? that what she calls him? Smoosh. I forgot about that. Smoosh. Yes. Wow. Later in the movie, we get his name. It's not important. This guy is Smoosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Smoosh has a little bit of an allergy headache. Oh. Um, <laughs> Riley goes to in search of Helena because they haven't been able to find her, but she was drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, she has to walk down a creepy hallway full of portraits, uh, which includes a young Carrie Elwes painting and a mounted deer head decorated with Christmas shit. Brian also has his own portrait looking like Kirk Cameron. It's great. <laughs> yeah he did that's true <laughs> yeah and uh she hears some sort of like sacred ritual going on and so she peeks in and sees the fraternitas fratrum party where <laughs> a bunch of be-robed dudes are being pledged to the quote deke army by having yeah. a bunch of black wheeze oozing out of the bust rubbed <laughs> on their head while other be-robed dudes chant, quote, the power of the founder compels you. She hears that this ritual is being performed multiple times while she thinks about the wheeze she got on her hand. Uh, humana, 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 humana. Uh. <laughs> Uh, leaving with Hui still on her hand, she finds Helena at the beginning of a rape situation, helps her out of the situation. Dude says women are teases, and then Helena vomits after asking, quote, does vodka mix with tequila? That's a lot of stuff to just pack into a a, a very short period of time and then just kind of leave it there. It's just kind of over, like Helena. <laughs> yeah. no, no, she comes back. It's fine. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Helena is sent home. They spend a while convincing Riley to take her rightful place in the upcoming song and dance number that they've been alluding to this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. We were reminded earlier that it is, quote, women and not, quote, girls. When they're introduced on the stage, they are introduced as, quote, the girls of Moo Kappa. And we hear a single voice holler, quote, women while people are cheering which that was pretty good mm-hmm. <laughs> um they get up there and they start do do de do doing uh but riley sees brian at the back of the audience and freezes up so the gang sees this and they jump to the rescue uh, putting their bodies between her and the audience covering up the fact that she's having a hard time and they start singing a christmas song eventually she re covers her courage and sings the song with them and the song goes a little something like this no just kidding i'm gonna quote it not sing it (laughs) up in the frat house one true fact and that is that i got attacked i didn't lead you on for goodness sake i couldn't have because i wasn't awake don't say that this was my fault because what you did is called assault up in the frat house, click, click, click. You slipped me a roofie, and then you're... D- and it ends there because this movie can't say the bad word. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful poem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, to this, all of the women in the audience cheer, and all of the white dudes, except for Smoosh, are mad about it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, I know they, they've talked about like how like some people are protesting the orphans dinner. It just really seems weird that all of these people that don't like this frat are at this frat's dinner party. Yeah, I didn't uh, like they're not there to make a statement or anything. They just went to the dinner party. Yeah. And it's an orphan's dinner. Didn't see an orphan. No. Yeah. Also didn't see dinner. <laughs> well, don't they just mean that they're orphaned because they aren't going home for Christmas? I think it's supposed to actually be like a benefit for orphans. Oh, okay. But I could be wrong. Oh, maybe you're right. I don't know. Yeah, I think they say that at some point. They talk about the orphan, orphan being orphaned because you're not going home for Christmas. You don't have anywhere to go for Christmas or whatever. Yeah. College is a confusing time in a young person's life, John. <laughs> yeah, and there were a lot of orphans there. <laughs> yes. It was yeah. basically an orphanage. Yeah, oops all orphans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as they exit the stage, Riley says, maybe that will teach Brian Huntley not to rape another girl. Uh, as yeah. they're leaving, uh, the cute guy from earlier it, we, who was in the audience catches up with them as they're leaving and his name is Landon and he thinks that that took guts and in fact yes he will go with them to do whatever it is that they are about to do which is apparently to raid the cafeteria for cake yeah these girls they really know how to have a good time <laughs> yes these girls and smoosh really <laughs> like to party smoosh <laughs> Smoosh and now Landon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Somewhere else, Helena is packing a suitcase while drunk and has to go vomit again. Back to the group, Landon tells the following joke. <laughs> oh, God. Quote, why is Santa Claus scared of getting stuck in the chimney? Because he's claustrophobic. <sighs> yep. That's one of those... Cringy lines that is very believable from these characters. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude. Uh, we find out that she has noticed Landon come into the cafe every day and that he has also never talked to her. Aww. Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, back, we see Helena gets a yip yap from Calvin Hawthorne. The, uh, it says that it has begun. Uh, she hears someone outside her bedroom door. She opens the door, but no one's there anyone there we see a cloaked and masked figure behind her as she closes the door Ooh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the next morning riley gets a text from una asking if riley has heard from Lindsay, um because no one knows that she's been murdered oh and also congratulating her on the great performance that una wasn't there to see <laughs> that's right uh then franny the diva comes in and congratulates her for being a badass complains about and complains about her biological sister that's yeah. a pretty constant theme in uh -huh. these movies uh riley finds the bust wheeze from earlier smeared on claudette's paw she thinks the deeks were in the house because she remembers that wheeze um chris laughs this off yeah they probably took jesse's crystal my mitten and fran's diva cup too <laughs> hilarious good one <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, and uh 
then there's this weird scene. They all leave except for Fran, who's going, you know, like in these movies, they're going somewhere else for Christmas. And there's this obvious, like, really weird scene, you know, like, shot from the ceiling of Fran walking back and forth through the second floor of this house looking for Claudette. And then a very obviously recorded later in a sound booth audio clip of her plays over the shot. And it's, I think what it was is like, it was probably her walking around and cussing and they were like, uh, we can't do that. So you're going to have to say other things. So instead we get a really fake sounding. If you make me late for the train, I swear I'm never feeding you again. Just ask my childhood hamster. (laughs) Great. (laughs) But it is a nice little send up of Miss Mac, uh, threatening to have Claude neutered. And, uh, we do get to see a kitty again. So that's Mm -hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she gets strangled by a robe mask guy with a string yeah. of Christmas lights. A little bit of an homage to uh, Exorcist 3, where uh, the killer, like, they're, it's in a hospital, and the killer comes out of the doorway as this nurse is, is in the hallway and just kind of, like, walks up on her real fast with scissors in his hand. Oh, like I haven't seen The her. Exorcist 3. Yeah, it's it's uh it's actually really good. That's what I I've, I've actually I've heard that that it's like for for a, you know, 3 in a series, it's actually kind of like its own unique beast. Yeah, it is. It's uh I mean it's got George C. Scott in it. It's very strange. Wow. Um and uh it, it's based around like a serial killer that of course is, you know, probably possessed or say, something or could be, you know. Yeah. But there, there—that's a very famous scare. That's one of the, one of the best scares in in uh, in uh, that that era. I guess it's like nineties. Oh, um, we we might have to watch that. Yeah, it's a fun movie. It's it's available for free in numerous places. Go find it and watch that, but not until you're done listening. Correct. Okay. The gang goes Christmas tree shopping. Smoosh is very whiny about it the whole time. Riley gets a yip-yap from Calvin Hawthorne. Then she gets a call from an unknown caller. The music gets really tense. She answers. It kind of sounds distorted. Maybe a little bit. It sounds like Billy is about to say piggy cunt or something. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, here it is. Here it is, Black Christmas fans. Oh, Wait, no, no, it's just Helena's mom and her <laughs> cell phones have bad connections, you see. Yeah. That sound a... like computer distortion. Yep. And that was that's the end of the of, of any reference really to the to the, that sort of killer in, in the first movie or second first yep. second movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I do like the fact that in this one, instead of obscene phone calls, it's, you know, like a creep being a creep in, you know, like your social media DMs. I thought I thought that was a nice touch. It modernizes it. But yeah. eh, eh, little yeah. flat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a big the, the it's just a shame because it's such a central part of the first film. You know, and is is the phone and how the phone plays in? I mean, for God's sake, they even have the fucking phone, dude. Yeah, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it just becomes less important. You know, like they they try to make it important in the second movie and just do ridiculous shit, like having 
the magic <laughs> magical phone light through the attic ceiling and all that. Yeah, the the, the phone's ring light that is so bright <laughs> shines through the ceiling. It's like, oh, is that what we're okay? We're doing that. Okay, all right. Okay. Okie dokie. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out lots more ceiling and wall stuff. Great. <sighs> uh, let's see. We find out that Helena never showed up where she was supposed to, which was at home with her mom. Riley says she will check and see if she's still at the house. They go back home after selecting a tree that is so expensive that uh, Chris has to use her dad's credit card to pay for it. And it's okay because he bailed on a vacation or something. Yeah. So he's got a lot of extra cash. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Riley checks Helena's room once they get back with the tree. Helena is not there or answering her phone. Smoosh is in the other room trying to screw the tree into the base of the Christmas tree stand. And (laughs) Marty is not really paying attention. She's supposed to be holding it up while he screws it in. And he's getting real whiny about that. (laughs) And everyone else is yelling at him like he's the little bitch situation. <laughs> she keeps waving the tree around and she yeah. can't, he can't get a hold of it because she won't let go of the stop moving the damn thing yeah. and Riley's, like, come on smoosh what the fuck <laughs> Riley's talking about Helena and he's like hold the tree still and she's like I'm doing something more important right now <laughs> and meanwhile Chris is sitting on the couch talking about how inefficient this is and I think this is a little jab at men who do exactly that same thing yeah yeah it's good it Mm -hmm. was good it was a fun little gag (laughs) it was uh let's see jesse says i do no she says (laughs) that's right yeah this is it that's what she comes in she says do i just turn on the oven and put the ham in it seems too easy uh riley starts putting the pieces together she thinks they should talk to the cops quote something doesn't feel right we see fran's body on a snowy balcony or something and instead of oh no that's that's something that's later sorry bad note bad note folks uh the shot ends with a weird effect uh that i think is supposed to look like we're seeing it from behind a poured glass window but it kind of just looks like the snow covered balcony has like desert mirage heat radiating (laughs) off of it it's weird yeah didn't didn't totally work that one didn't do it didn't nail it um riley gets another yip yap from old calvin i can't wait to see if you'll put up a fight she looks around and then gets another yip yap that's right little girl we've got you in our sight Mm -hmm. not good Mm-mm. she runs into landon somewhere i think it's supposed to be the library but i don't know why she'd be at the library because she's on her way to the police station yeah i but, didn't what yeah she just suddenly made this detour inside the school b- building for some reason yeah and like you can even see a staircase so she's not even on like the first floor maybe maybe the police station is on the second floor of the library yeah, it could be because when he answers the phone later, he says security. Yeah. So maybe he's just like a school cop or some shit. Yeah. But uh, Landon has a paperback book of jokes. Oh, yeah. Because he's planning on telling the good stuff. 
the the old crusty paperback with all the lines down the spine. <laughs> These jokes have been told before, ladies and gentlemen. Landon's a dick, by the way. I'm yeah. <laughs> I don't get Landon. She asks, "Have you been DMing me?" And he says, "No, but I can if you want me to." Good, good job, Landon. <laughs> Way to be. Um, she starts. She starts freaking because she thinks it might be him. Yeah. Yeah, but then she goes and she talks to the front desk cop who is busily making himself a very mayonnaise ham sandwich. <laughs> yes, with lots of smacking noises. Yes. Uh, she has to explain to him what DMs are, tells him about the missing women, the creepy yip yaps. Quote, so you think Brian Huntley abducted your friend and is sending you DMs pretending to be the founder of the college? And then he takes a very wet sounding bite of his sandwich. <laughs> like, oh, that does it for me. No more ham sandwiches. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> uh, she finally convinces him like, no, it's like, that's just my like harebrained theory. But like the actual underlying problem is that women are missing and people are sending abusive messages. Maybe we should check this out. And he was like, OK, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Let's let's go. So they go and they check around the frat house, but it's locked. He says that he wouldn't worry about it. Nine out of ten times, the girl's just with her boyfriend. It's a nod to the original folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no fellatio in this one, though. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. <sighs> he says that the direct the, the DMs are probably from boys that are mad about the song. Quote, boys will be. Well, you know. <laughs> good uh carrie elwes is suddenly there and spooks her while she's snooping around outside the frat house she sees that he has a list of their names with which soror sororities they belong to yikes yeah uh, very, very subtle hint about yeah. what's coming later yeah maybe involved oh also <laughs> he is like trying to play it off like he doesn't really know this frat house he's like oh which key is it but then he just like knows about the rock with the hidden like antique key in it to get mm -hmm. in yeah he's like you, you want to come inside with me no <laughs> i really don't no uh <laughs> He tells her the video of their performance should probably be taken offline and that there's like 30,000 views of it. And uh, when he's standing at the front door, you can see all of the fake snow sticking to his shoes and it looks disgusting. <laughs> uh, he warns her about the legal repercussions of defamation because the video includes, uh-oh, her saying that Brian Huntley is a rapist. Woo. Oh, no. Oopsies. <laughs> Back at the sorority house, Jesse can't believe how easy ham is to cook. <laughs> and Smoosh is drinking a beer and acting grumpy while Jesse, Chris, and Marty have a conversation about what three animals or something. There is, I, I'm skipping, I skipped over a lot. There is a lot of like fun chatter between all of the women in this. They're, they're, it, it's enjoyable. They're, you get a lot of their personality and it is just like generally fun, like the kind of tone that they set. Yeah, they're yeah. likable. Yeah, you don't want them to be murdered. 
No. But then Riley shows up. She confronts Chris about the video. They have a whole talk. Jesse leaves to get the Christmas lights out of the attic and escape the drama. Marty, Chris, and Riley realize they've all been getting the creepy yip-yaps, but they all think a different part of what's going on is the important part. (laughs) Quote, you're not listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It was really good. Marty's like, oh, these yip-yaps are the important part. Riley thinks that having the video online is the important part. And Chris thinks that the way that the professor is behaving is the important part. <laughs> and they fight about it. Yeah, they, they are all yelling at each other about it. And it is stressful. <laughs> it's like rage screaming. Yes. Uh, in the attic, Jesse finds and plugs in a series of broken strings of Christmas lights until finally one of the strings of Christmas lights works. But them lighting up reveals the cloaky mask guy who has been sitting there the whole time and he attackifies her. Yup. Yup. Oh no, one of our main four, Jesse. <sighs> Sad. Um, back to everyone yelling at each other in the kitchen. Grievances are being aired. Smoosh is still there, and he busts out with a, what did you girls expect? He then gets into a fight with Marty about him not being like other men, and how can you say that? She makes him leave. He says, you're hysterical. Ooh, bad choice of words, guy. <sighs> Don't use that one. That's a bad one. It's, it doesn't. It just isn't going to work for you. Yep that that one you will not win with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and by that I mean like you've got all the power. It's fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. You Almost. might sleep on the couch. Yeah. They all get creepy yip yaps at the same time. Uh oh. Chris yip-yapped back. Why don't you come down here and make me a panini on my mom's press? (laughs) That's quite a line. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know what that coming from a woman towards me makes me feel like doing? Shooting an arrow at them. (laughs) God. (laughs) What is that line? Why don't you come down here and make me a panini on my mom's press? I think that has to be one of the ones where they actually had a really badass line and then had to dub over it. <laughs> and a dub over it with the with the absolutely most surreal line. <laughs> yes. Come over and make me a what? panini on my mom's press. <laughs> my mom's press. <laughs> It's like, is this is this innuendo? I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't feel insulted. <laughs> I'm gonna try that next time I get in a fight with some lady. Yeah. Some lady. <laughs> some lady. Because <laughs> that's something the that happens. Time... <laughs> John, how's your week been going? Oh, you know, the <laughs> usual. Just gotten some fights with some ladies. <laughs> oh, I've been saving this one for just the right fight with a lady. Why don't you come over here and make me a panini on my mom's breast? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is that? It's so weird. Yeah. Oh, at this point, arrows start whizzing by one grazes Marty's leg a little. Uh, and we see Cloaky Mask has a bow and is shooting at them. 
So, okay, so, quick aside here. Why does, <laughs> why does Cloaky Mask have a bow? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that, John. Because <laughs> I have no idea. I think... I th- think the idea is that it's like a uh maybe there's like a college archery class oh yeah but even then like the the bows they have are like super like not competition grade bows no no they're like (laughs) cowboy and indian set at like toys r us bow yeah they're very it's very strange and it's going to get strange oh yeah (laughs) especially because people are going to end up doing very inventive things with the bows. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, I guess I guess the idea is like maybe it's like a little bit of a deliverance nod. <laughs> I squeal like a pig, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, gotta have them piggy movies bunched Good. together. Yeah. Uh, um, they run and hide in the laundry room, realize that they don't have their phones. Riley decides that she will go find a phone while, uh, they hide in here. That way they can call the police and warn all of the other girls to stay away. Wouldn't want backup. Mm -mm. She breaks a broom handle into a sharp stabity weapon and goes out into the quiet house looking for a phone and the intruder. Uh, we see her like, you know, like, Sneaking around, like dipping here, oh, hide, and and then she hides behind the couch from the cloaky mask that she assumes is approaching, and she's like, oh god, he can see me because he can totally see her because <laughs> she really sucks at hiding behind a couch. <laughs> and she she even sees one of the guys with the bow, like, or I'm sorry, the cloaky mask with the bow, and um, it, it's all weird. But uh, ba- meanwhile, back in the laundry room, they remember that Jesse is still a human being that lives in the house with them. So Chris <laughs> splits up. They are now no one is together. And she goes looking for her in the attic. She finds her rocking in a rocking chair wrapped in lit up Christmas tree lights, dead with a shiny, unviolent thing sticking out of her face. And there's a window behind her nod to the original. Mm hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Riley is still hiding behind a couch with the back half of herself sticking up, worried that someone might see her. And someone does, they are approaching her, and she goes, ah, but it's just Smoosh. He's back. He feels really bad about the way the fight went. He's been having this horrible migraine the whole time. Yeah. Oh, good. She tries to tell him there's someone in the house. Quote, I need your phone. He grabs a very conveniently placed axe and goes all someone hurts my girl style and gets shot through the face by an arrow. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. Just I'll <laughs> save the day. Yeah. Oh, dead. Okay. Like he comes in, he's all head full of manly steam, yes. and then gets an arrow in the face. Oh, right through the face. Like some sort of phallic symbol. <laughs> uh, it turns out they were shot by Cloaky Mask. Good job. Uh, Cloaky Mask pushes Riley up against a wall and uses the edge of the arrow to cut her on both cheeks. Uh, at first I was like, why? Why is this happening? But then I realized that Carrie Elwes is in this movie, and this is a very, he gave me this, and this, and I think that's why that's here. 
Oh, that's very strange. It's very strange. <laughs> you're probably right. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're probably right. Yeah, I think that is Inigo Montoya and the Six-Fingered Man. I think wow. that's what's going on there. That's a that's a reference that the probably intended audience will never get. Yeah, and I would imagine that <laughs> Carrie Ellis is like, you know, I'm not Inigo Montoya or the Six-Fingered Man. This has nothing to do with me. <laughs> That's true. It's just this, a movie I was in one time. <laughs> uh, at this point, both Riley and uh, Cloaky Mask realize that they're under the mistletoe. So he presses his mask into her face for a kiss. It's super weird. Riley manages to get away. They struggle on the floor until she successfully key claws him in the neck to death one key claw instant death yeah it was so, quite remarkable yes yeah those those it turns out that those key claws that they taught you about uh, are so very effective <laughs> i mean if it was that easy to kill somebody i don't know why you'd be so worried about anything <laughs> Just stick a key in their neck and they die. Yeah, I like that. She she stabs them in the neck and they're like stuck in there. So she has to like slide her fingers out between the keys. And, and later they have to like really yoink on those keys to get them out. That's <laughs> true. And they're not like the really good, long, pointy car keys. They're like the shitty little jagged edge house keys, too. Yeah, the shitty ones you get at Walmart, like remade in that machine. Yeah, it's it, it's not good. You should have like four better keys specifically for your key claw task. <laughs> I'm sorry you have to worry about that, ladies. Um, let's see. Um, Marty comes out at this point. She sees that Smoosh is dead. She says his real name, which is very forgettable. Meanwhile, Chris and Riley check on Cloaky Mask's body, but then another Cloaky Mask appears. That's the big surprise. Yeah, it's a it, there's another one. <sighs> Marty gets heroic with the axe and attacks the new Cloaky Mask, but actually gets herself chopped in the tum. But she yeah. keeps fighting long enough for the other two girl uh, two women. Sorry, goddamn, uh, to run away. And they hide at the edge of the kitchen counter, uh, like that scene in Jurassic Park where the two kids hide mm -hmm. from the velociraptors in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not half of their bodies sticking out on either side. Good job hiding. Okay. Good job hiding. Fortunately, the robe guy knew exactly where you were the entire time. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Cloaky Mask goes to look for them while Marty struggles on the floor trying to get to her phone. Uh, meanwhile, we see that the cop from earlier gets dispatched to uh, a location where there's been a break-in. Uh, that location is 1974 Elm Road. <laughs> I get it. Get it? Do you get it? It's here oh, the original was made and like, I guess, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> what a good one. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, back at the house, Chris and Riley kill another cloaky mask dude. These guys go down easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they do. They suck. Uh, and then we see the cop bust through the front door with a taser at the ready. He yells, freeze! Just as we see Una stab a cloaky mask in the chest with the crystal unicorn. 
at the other sorority house. But then the cop gets stabbed by even another cloaky mask and all the women scream. Yeah, it's 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 gone cloaky mask crazy at this point. It has cloaky masks are everywhere, killing everyone, even white dudes. Just <laughs> you're not one of us. Yeah. Um, I will say I really liked the the use of the uh, the crystal unicorn in this one. The fact that the the women used it to stab the bad guy mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. I liked the reclaiming the thing. Yeah, I agree. It was a better better idea than the way it was used in uh, the second movie. Yeah, yeah, in the second movie where it was just there and already bloody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not really got much use at all. It was, it was. I don't really. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, back to Riley and Chris. They figure out that the blood is actually some sort of inky black, not blood, and they say, "Why isn't it blood?" They unmask the first corpse, and it turns out that it's the one that Riley saw getting initiated earlier. Uh, As Chris walks through the house to get Riley's keys, we see the bag uh, on Riley's dry-cleaned dress crinkle menacingly uh, Mm -hmm. from its position where Jesse had left it earlier in the movie. Neither of them see the cloaky mask, uh, which attacks Chris. Riley jumps to the rescue and kills him by suffocating him with the dry-cleaning bag. Nice. That's two mm-hmm. in a row. The crystal unicorn and the dry cleaning bag. Good. Yeah, that, that is, was cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, I was I was having a good time at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get in the car and drive away as yet another cloaky mask shoots arrows at the body of the car and not the windows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just thunk into the door. Good. That'll get them. <laughs> Uh, Then as they are driving, Riley explains her crazy conspiracy theory. (laughs) And um, Chris summarizes it by saying, quote, so you think the DKO boys possess their pledges in some kind of supernatural hazing ritual. Chris is skeptical of this story. She thinks it's much more likely that a bunch of spoiled butthurt frat guys are just killing people because they're spoiled butthurt frat guys. And you know, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. That's a bunch of spoiled butthurt frat guys in robes just going around slaughtering all the women they can find. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. That makes sense. It makes a little bit more sense than Riley's idea, which is that it is a magical bust. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the bust you see. <laughs> no puns made about a woman's bust. This is a movie about feminism and, and toxic patriarchy, and we say the word bust a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, she gets out of the car She because she's, you know, mad at Chris for not believing her, and she now has a giant pink shovel for some reason. Uh, she runs into Landon, who is on his way to the orphan's dinner, which yeah, happened. I sorry, I'm just going back to the giant pink snow shovel. That mm-hmm. She just decides to arm herself with a giant pink snow shovel for no reason. For no reason. And apparently, like, that one was very specific. Like, uh, uh, that was one of the things that they had to import in because, like, Sophia Takal was like, I couldn't find a giant pink snow shovel anywhere <laughs> in New Zealand. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need 300,000 tons of shitty snow and uh, 
oh, one giant pink snow shovel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, <laughs> I, do you have really shoe-ruiny fake snow? That would be great. <laughs> uh, let's see. Landon offers to help. She says, you really want to help? And apparently he does. So uh, while they go to do something, Chris goes to the other sorority and fills her car with women that are escaping the situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back at the uh, Delta Kappa Omega house, Landon goes inside. He's just kind of snooping around, practicing, practicing. You've been Zated. He's trying several different deliveries to make sure he gets it right. (laughs) uh he sees that his soundboard has debris on it and starts yelling and breaking stuff the be-robed dudes come out all be-robed and they say what do you want and he says quote i want you to suck a fat fart because you just got zated (laughs) yeah yeah he's pretty tough guy yeah what i'm glad he practiced his delivery for that (laughs) suck a fat fart yeah suck a fat fart because you just got zated it it gets even stranger because the dude is like you are not in (laughs) the zeta fraternity (laughs) what are you talking about He says, it's all right, you can join our fraternity. Landon begins to get a headache, and he says, that's just the founder drawing out your true alpha, which I believe is a reference to alpha male, and it's just weird. (laughs) Yeah, that that part (laughs) didn't go over too well. Yeah, why would it draw out your true deke? Meanwhile, Riley is sneaking around outside with her giant pink shovel. She makes her... Oh, no, inside. Sorry. She's sneaking around inside the fraternity house with her giant pink shovel. She makes her way to the bust room. Uh, She hears Helena crying in another room and goes to help, and she gets bonked on the head while Helena looks smug. She comes to back in the bustorium. We see Landon is getting (laughs) enhuist by the be-robed dudes. They chant. We see there's a tray of the women's missing possessions, including her comb and the diva cup. Big reveal. Carrie Elwes is the grand dude in the purplierest of robes. Who would have ever seen that coming? What a twist ending. This movie doesn't telescope itself (laughs) in any way. Oh, no. He explains that Hawthorne was a magical chauvinist that hatched a scheme. Quote, we're not insane, just men. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. He says our army will venture into courtrooms, boardrooms, and the halls of Congress to set the world right. That's not clunky dialogue. No, no. Um... We find out that there was an incantation in the bust that filled the pledges with supernatural strength and drive, and they can go after the women who are named by a list, and if their possession is on the tray, and if those women aren't good at staying in their place. Yeah, it's it's a very specific uh, process that needs to be followed in order to do this, but if you follow it exactly, yeah, 
then you can completely lose me at the end of a movie. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) So, so it turns out that when they removed the bust that it, uh, and, and put it back in the frat house that it unlocked the busts magical wheeze properties. Um, and now they have superpowers, you know, all of these, cloaky mask dudes that die real easy yeah that's that's the super strength and drive yeah they have super strength and drive so they die the second you put a key in their neck (laughs) (laughs) yep uh it's it's a it's a real strange turn that this movie takes it is also remarkably exactly similar to a season two episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I kind of wonder if that's a little bit on purpose. Um, But anyway, we find out that obedient women like Helena will be spared. Other women will quote, face the consequences. Uh, Helena has a little rightful place speech quote. They needed me to collect the items. So the pledges would know who to go after. I don't get that, but whatever. Uh Um, Riley calls her a traitor. And then Brian is there. He's quoting the text messages that was sent from the Calvin Hawthorne account. And that's cool because it's like, you know, when Billy quotes the stuff about the mole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, uh, the, the grand cloaky mask comes in and Brian says, bow. I said, bow, bitch. Uh, Cloaky Mask then kills Helena to prove a point? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Brian says he'll do worse than that to you. And then he says this amazing line, your body, your choice. Yeah, yeah. Very cringy. But that uh, totally, yeah, that is definitely like frat dude. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. intentionally cringy. I mean, yeah, that was, that was the idea. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad movie line. It's a great movie line for this movie. Yeah, yeah. But yikes. Um, while Brian is gloating and saying things like, who's the mighty king? She gets away, grabs her cone off of the tray and cuts him on the face with it. I guess that would be similar to when she got cut on her face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But Grand Cloaky Mask grabs her, begins to strangle her, but just in time is shot by an arrow. We see Chris has the bow, says, you messed with the wrong sisters, and we can see that an array of strong warrior-like young women are standing behind her in a great like poster shot. Um. And then a scene that is almost exactly the same as a scene from season seven of Buffy the Vampire Slayer happens. Wow. (laughs) Yes. A melee breaks out with the women fighting a room full of be-robed dudes. Una, specifically, is fighting with a menorah, which was a prop that they had some trouble locating in New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) Uh, and Chris begins legolessing around the room with her bow using it like a sword (laughs) that's right it's very strange she she swings it and hits people with it stabs them with the edges of it (laughs) it 
I don't know. I don't know if a bow could take all of that. I but... know. That's quite the murder bow. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's supposed to have, like, attention, but be a little bit bendy. Like, you're, you'll definitely hurt someone, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> right. <sighs> Riley has to fight with Brian to get to the bust. She flashes back to the last time they struggled when he was raping her. Yikes. While the fight is awesome, it looks like it's not going their way. But at the last moment, Riley taps into her inner reserve of anger and strength and overpowers Brian and then goes to the thing and lifts up the bust that is drippity and gross. She lifts it up over her head in a a very dramatic manner. But just then Carl Elwes tries to talk her out of it. He says he talks about like how how women are inextricably tied to man quote break us and you break yourselves she then says we will never be broken and smashes the bust to the ground we see that the breast the bust is actually just a thin shell filled with chocolate fondue (laughs) the cloaky masks all lose power at the same time and Chris grabs a oil lamp that is just there. She says, hey, professor, suck my, and then throws the oil lamp at him, catching his robes on fire as he gasps dramatically and ra- runs away flamily. <laughs> yes. I think that is one where she was supposed to say, suck my clit, but they had to dub it out because PG-13. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go overboard like this movie does, you might as well just go all the way. You really should. It, this movie would have been better as an R-rated movie, but you know, maybe maybe it served its purpose. I don't know. It got really bad reviews. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. And now we find out that Landon is no longer under the busty spell. Uh, we see the intact bust for a second is just lying on the ground, not all smashed. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that about? I don't know. <laughs> but okay. now the room is catching on fire. They lock all of the frat guys into the burning room to death and uh, go outside and just bask in the fiery glow of triumph. Movie over. Movie done. Yep career over (laughs) (laughs) little bit yeah um i would like to say that a lot of the negative reviews that i read are um from from shit guys like total shit boys that are like you shouldn't remake it this is you know stupid feminist garbage you suck and all of those people can just not exist anymore thank you yeah, that's stupid. It's yeah. just dumb. This movie has lots of problems. That's not really one of them. I I, I get that people are like it. It's very um, it's very like buzzwordy. But this movie is actually set on a college campus where all of those buzzwords are part of the discussy vernacular. Yeah, and God forbid that you know there are actual women in the world that can relate to these kinds of stories. Wouldn't want that. Wouldn't want that, and that, you know, that in some way that might exclude his fragile ego. Oh, no. Stupid reviewer who can't handle something that isn't directly about him. Sorry, carry on. No, no, that's that's exactly it. Like, it is, it people, 
and by people, I mean dudes. Sorry, I need to be very specific with my words. Dudes get real mad whenever a movie isn't geared at them and they watch it. It's like they they somehow are oblivious to the fact that the entire planet is set up, you know, to be their playground. Yep. And then, you know, for five minutes, someone else flips the script a little bit and their takeaway is that it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not that they, their takeaway isn't that it's a piss poor piece of movie making. <laughs> yep. <laughs> their takeaway is that it's not fair to dudes. Yep. Yep. Or that it's too woke or whatever. Yep. Yeah. If you if you go on IMDb and read the reviews, you will see several that are like, this movie sucks. One star. I quit after 10 minutes. It's like, <laughs> OK, but you suck. Yeah, and it wasn't that. It, there, it's nowhere near that bad. Like, no. I need to quit after 10 minutes bad. <laughs> no, no. It, after 10 minutes, this movie's still good. <laughs> yeah. It's halfway through, still pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it only it only <laughs> dives towards the end. Yeah, it gets a little problematic. So that's it. We did it. We reviewed all three Black Christmas movies. We certainly did. We are not going to review the TV series. What? Isn't there a TV series? What are you talking about? Holy shit. I thought I read somewhere that there was a TV series. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> Googling <laughs> so hard right now. <laughs> oh my God. Series. I thought there was. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't find any evidence of this, my dude. Damn. I must have <laughs> made it up. I thought I saw it somewhere that there was a series about it. I must have completely misread that. That's okay. <laughs> Probably for the best. Yes, yes almost certainly. <laughs> just, just a bunch of people from NCIS that are like also doing a Black Christmas episode. <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I didn't hate this movie. I. Even though the end was a bit much and I feel like didn't really serve the movie's purpose very well. I mm -hmm. I still even I, I enjoyed the the warrior women versus like frat guy cult fight. Like I thought that was cool enough. Mm -hmm. You know, it was fun. It was campy, but, you know, campy's fine, too. Right. I just I thought it was weird that that the violent patriarchy is already there. But then it was because of this bust. Mm -hmm. Now they're going to go into the courtrooms and boardrooms and halls of Congress because they haven't already. I don't know. I don't know what it was getting at with that. Like, I feel like it was watering down its message that this was already the case. Right. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it unfortunately, it you know, it, it suffered from a lot of things. But one of the things it suffered from was was it just gets too convoluted at some point. Yeah, you know, just like the last one where it, it's uh, you know the two thousand Black Xmas one where it's just like let's just put ten billion things all together at the same time. It's just too much. I mean, it just numbs you after a while. Yeah, yeah. It, it I mean. Yeah, it, 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 it didn't build up anything better. And it was so, so very at the end that, like, I don't know. I don't know. It was very strange at the end there. 
Um, yeah, the end was was. I don't know. I didn't understand the point of the end because it, it really did just feel like one of those made for like Netflix shows or, you know, I mean, Netflix has several series with goofy ideas like that. There's one where is there some some series on there about like some guy that goes to a university and there's some supernatural thing going on and all this stuff. That sounds like 50 percent of television. Yeah, I am an old person. So it's like they take they took that thing that's been beaten to death recently and then put it into a movie. There's also a sci-fi series on Netflix. I think it's called another life or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it is basically just like every sci-fi movie idea smushed into one show. There's, there's literally like an episode where it's basically alien. There's another episode where it's basically tremors and it's all just like not even trying to not be that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because you know, it, it would figure that there's all these idiots out there that are criticizing the movie because of the feminist message, which I have absolutely no problem with at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. Make as make as many feminist movies as you want. Make as many as you can. I mean, yeah. it's I don't care. The only thing I care about is if, if the movie, you know, if I enjoy the movie or not. Yep. And I did enjoy this movie. I just think that, you know, it, it just kind of fell apart at the end and it had such great material to work with that there wasn't there was no need to completely redo it the first 75 minutes of this movie were really good and then mm -hmm. it was just like took a little little detour into crazy town at the end there yeah the whole the whole fight like the the whole and the fight was it was cool that she you know rallied the other girls from the different sororities to come join in the fight i thought that was a cool idea but it just it didn't really pack a punch because when they show up, it just suddenly turned into like a comic book or a cartoon or something. I, I think I think it would have been OK if all of that was the case, but it wasn't magical bust -wise. I think yeah. that was the problem was the for me, the magical like the magical bust element was just dumb. Like, first of all, if they were I don't know. No, I don't know. It's dumb. <laughs> I, I liked I liked the fact that it took a Buffy the Vampire tone. You know, I am a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I thought mm -hmm. that was great. Maybe that was even a nod to the fact that Michelle Trachtenberg was in the, the first remake. I don't know. It was just weird. And it took me out of the movie and it, it didn't allow for a satisfying conclusion. But, you know, endings are hard. Endings are. Yeah, endings are hard. And I mean, I guess I guess the flip side of, of me whining about it is that she did she did put something new into it you know oh yeah which i mean they put something new in the other one as well but uh this one i think was executed better oh yes <laughs> oh yeah yeah the the, uh, the glenn morgan one was just that was some trouble <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a mess yeah so so john if you had to give this one a rating uh, between zero and five of something, what would that something be? I, I'm going to give it a three. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I found it enjoyable. Like I found it entertaining. Um, and part of, part of, you know, part of like, if I'm watching a movie that's made to be a Christmas movie, I want it to kind of have a little bit of that cheesy Christmas feel to it because mm -hmm. it's kind of fun. Because it's a time of year you don't think about unless you're in the middle of it. Yeah, and uh, so it's always kind of fun when they they just kind of bust out the 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 ridiculous holiday stuff, and they they pulled that part off pretty well. I just uh, and I was perfectly happy with the 
the you know thematic elements that were being used. I think it just you know cinematically it had some issues, but but overall I I was surprised. It was a lot better than I expected it to be. Yeah, no, I I agree exactly. I I also gave it a three out of five. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I played with a two and a half, and I was like, no, that doesn't feel right. And I tried a three and a half, and I was like, ooh, that's a little generous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so between us, that is a six out of ten. That is a solid. Go watch this movie. Um, it's it's pretty good it's pretty good it is it is worth seeing it it really is I mean the the, the the big problem with it is if you watch it all the way into the end it gets worse yeah the ending the ending is silly and and I mean you know it's not it's probably not a movie made for old men no. which is what, that's which is what I currently am so <laughs> um I am old man so but you know I think uh but I think I, I think fans of horror and fans of of Bob Clark's masterpiece, you know, there's something worth seeing in this movie. Yeah, and if you are out there and you're a fan of Jordan Peterson, you'll like this movie because you get to see Jordan Peterson burn to death, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's Fucking good. Hate that guy. He's terrible <laughs> and apparently suffered horribly from COVID. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, so it turns out like, let's, um, or do you have uh, final things to say about this movie specifically, John? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, I, I, I'm glad she made it and I like that she put a, a new twist on it. I, I don't have any issue with the wokeness of it. Nope. I think that's something that that's just one of those politically speaking. It's just one of those tag phrases that people use to, continue to talk shit about women. Yep. It's just a new way to hide their disdain for women. Yeah. I mean, among among other subjects, because obviously wokeness covers other things, but... Yeah, absolutely. It's just... It's a whole complex thing. I It does look like maybe Sophia Tuchel's directing career might be over. I hope not. I would welcome more remakes from her. I'd like to see a Sophia Tuchel remake of spider baby where it's a really good movie and then the last 15 minutes are ridiculous <laughs> that would be awesome yeah like oh uh there's a uh a wheezy bust of the first cannibal <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know there's no shortage of money being thrown at rob zombie so if, oh, if that guy can continue to make movies forever like if, if they can keep him around long enough that somebody is actually willing to pay him to remake the fucking monsters, <laughs> there, there's no reason why Sophia Tikal couldn't make another movie. That's true. I don't know how you could make a career of each movie being a little bit worse than the last one you made. <laughs> and somehow managing to just keep making more. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe this will be the one that makes it tick up. God, I watched Lords of Salem again just because I was like, ah, maybe I was just being too hard on it. No, I wasn't. That movie sucks ass. <laughs> Is that the one with the uh, umbilical cord monster? Yes. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, I did see that one. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, I remember. That was that was the movie that was like, never again. I, I am done, sir. That's like your horse has a broken leg movie. You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, what, what do you think we should do? What do you mean, what do we do? We have to shoot him. We don't have any choice. <laughs> That's what that movie was. Oh, Rob, you're a cool guy or whatever. I, I loved it whenever you painted the set of Headbangers Ball, but like, seriously, dude. <laughs> seriously, Mr. Zombie. Yeah, Sir Zombie. 
Yeah, and you don't have to use your wife in every movie. And if you do, you don't have to make her take her clothes off in every movie. Just, I want those pants to be so low that the butt's showing out the top. She's uh, she And she's just not a good actress. That's <laughs> part of the problem. The signature of a Rob Zombie movie is having some not good actors in it. And then having some that are really great, like some great character actors, and then a bunch of people who you know, really have no business being in movies. <laughs> yeah, some people that chew up the scene with their incompetence. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll, I'll probably eat my words, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm pretty confident that if you're giving money to Rob Zombie to remake the monsters, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's, it might be good. I just can't I'm, see it being good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it might be. I just, but I, my money would be on it's going to be fucking terrible, and and even still, I mean, that's a gam- that's a real gamble to take, you know, because his fans they're not interested in in him making the, the fucking monsters. They want to see him make some disgusting House of Thousand Corpses type thing again. Oh well, I guess. I mean, he did that, and I don't think it was a, much of a hit either, but. No. Did you see the the Johnny Depp is Captain Dark Shadows, like Count Jack Sparrow movie? Oh, I, I saw some of it. It was, yeah, that was, that was real bad. It, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. It's just, I, I figure it's going to be like something like that, where there, there's got to be like just enough fan service in there. Like, oh, we're going to reference the things. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know. The source material for the Munsters is already not great. Yeah, there's nothing there. It's just yeah. it's paper thin, and it's basically a ripoff of of the Adams family, which was yes. you know oh. de- derived from a, a cartoonist who was awesome, you know. And then they they had this ridiculously watered down from the already watered down Adams family uh, show the monsters. So Rob Zombie's. I mean, is it going to be like gory and you know? Is there going to be incest and? and- <laughs> you know, horrible language and seventies music all through the whole thing. Yeah. It's going to be a, a gory incestuous scan of a fax of a copy of a thing. So you got enough money to pay that moron to make that movie, <laughs> but you don't have enough money to trust Sophia to call to, uh, to make, to make a second. Hor- well, okay. She's made a few, but let's say uh, another movie. Yeah. Let's go ahead and call it one more movie. <laughs> one more movie directed by Sophia Takal. <laughs> I would watch it. Probably not. <laughs> I, I looked at the titles of her other movies and it's like, ooh, I don't think so. It's like all all of her other movies about female relationships that are not good. Yeah, they just look like like yeah, like depressing romance movies. I was like, eh. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. So, turns out the original is our favorite. The the Bob Clark original is our preferred Black Christmas. Glenn Morgan's Billy backstory focused remake was our least favorite, and Sophia Tikal's violent patriarchy takes a firm number two in our Black Christmas rankings. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yep. it's been a lovely holiday season. It's been pretty good. John, what are your thoughts about like the three as a whole? What and and um how does how does this fit into your grading greater sense of feelings about horror remakes? 
the three films as, as a whole were a little bit baffling, uh, interesting. I, I love the original, uh, as we've discussed. Um, and the remake, I understand why there was a remake, just because that's Hollywood and that's the kind of thing they do. I'm surprised that they greenlighted another remake. So soon, too. And not that, yeah, not that long after, um, I guess her idea was original enough that they thought, what the hell? Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's confusing for audiences. I know when I started, you know, kind of reading about the original movie, then all of a sudden the, I started hearing about these other ones, you know, and then you go to Google and it's like, wait, which one am I looking for? Mm-hmm. And it just, just that slight amount of confusion will probably turn about 80% of your audience off right there. Yep. You yep. know, so I just, it, it's, it's things like that where I just don't understand what people, people with money, huge amounts of money that want to green light something are thinking, you know? Yeah. Be- because I mean, you know, make whatever you want. It doesn't really matter what, you know, people can make whatever movies they want to make. That's fine. But considering how difficult it is to get funding for a film and, go through the whole process, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be just an astronomical amount of work and a lot of pressure on the person creating it. You know, why would you make that? <laughs> I, just don't, I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I guess with this one, it makes a little bit of sense. She, uh, Sophia Tikal said that whenever this was like offered to her, like part of the inspiration came from the fact that the me too movement had gotten to the point that, some of the accused men were like building their careers back up and getting mm. book deals and stuff. And she mm-hmm. just felt like it was getting left, you know, like the, the effort was getting left behind. And the first remake by Glenn Morgan was a Weinstein brothers production. Mm, yeah. That's so true. it's just like, Ooh, what, what bad things. And, and what we got out of it was like one half of one good movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Out of the whole thing. Yeah, I guess it's, I, you know, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that makes sense if you're thinking about like what her motivations are to, to make it. So I didn't realize that, uh, or I didn't know that she had been. So, so in other words, she had been approached by a studio to make this. I think so. I don't really know. <laughs> I know yeah. it was, it was, it was Blumhouse Productions wanted her to do it because they liked her work on, new year new you mm-hmm. and i don't know if it was her idea to remake this or if it was their idea but but yeah that was that was what was going on at the time that the decision was made and this was what came out of it which you know uh, six out of ten it's it's not terrible it's no it's it was very enjoyable pretty well put together some of the time uh, and i guess just... yeah i guess to be fair i mean if if uh she had made this as like a no budget indie. Uh, we probably would never talk about it because we wouldn't have even known it was out. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, in that respect, you know, for her to be able to get that, that message out, I mean, and you know, for teenage girls, I mean, that's, that's a great message to give them that, that women can kick ass and they don't need this or that. And, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's no, I don't have any problem with that kind of a message. No, no. Like, yeah, the, the, the movie's message was fine. Maybe a little iffy on the, uh, magic bust part. Well that, yeah, that part was, yeah, yeah. I think that was just 
like this is going to be her original twist on it and you know it was just that was a little a little dense but not the best idea yeah yeah i mean you have to make a creative decision and you're never going to get everyone to agree with your creative decision so that's fine you know yeah i don't agree with the magic bus decision i wouldn't have made it but it that's cool i also wouldn't have gone with the uh squad of zombie archers but you know (laughs) yeah yeah if you really start to pick pick some of this stuff apart you realize that it's it's got some serious problems and then i guess ultimately that ends up being a testament to her anyway because she manages to put it together and make it entertaining yeah she did a really good job with the characters i enjoyed their interactions yeah even the cringiness it's like (laughs) if you're out there and you're a a production company studio rich rich white guy in general uh Mm -hmm. give sophia to call some money to make a movie yeah she's got some interesting ideas and she uh she makes uh fun stuff to watch and horror remakes are fun i am not against them no i enjoy them it's fun to see how you know different people interpret these ideas you know do they want to riff on it or they or in her case go in a completely different direction uh but they but the the two following films really do retain you know quite a bit of of the original in their own way and and yet still manage to you know basically do like a 180 yep yeah, I've I've never I've never like really like done a deep dive on an original and then different remakes of it. I thought this mm-hmm. one was really interesting just because yeah, both remakes went in such different directions, you know, they weren't yeah. just trying to do a a shot for shot. Uh, each of them had had their own like unique take on what was going on and it was it was really interesting. I used to think I was against remakes and uh this like seeing these three kind of made me realize oh remakes are pretty cool even when they're not great i yeah it's funny i've always liked remakes just because i don't you know people say well it just ruins the original it's like no nothing ruins the fucking original the original is the original yeah you know and and it remains the original and if if anything if the remake is a piece of shit then that somebody just made a piece of shit yeah I mean, it's just, it's not a commentary on the original, it, it, other than to remind you that the original kicks ass. Yeah. No, I, I just recently, like, since we did the podcast, I rewatched the original by by uh, Bob Clark. And even having seen the Glenn Morgan remake and the Sophia Tikal remake, it did not ruin the original for me. It's still great. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a great movie. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that just because you remake something, it's going to be any good. Oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's some real garbage out there. Yeah. Um, just ask I'm the sequel people. <laughs> just ask, yeah, just ask the guys who remade Martyrs. Oh, oh that one was so different. <laughs> I was like, really? That's, you know, like, I, and even then, you know, my, my, argu- my argument would be, why would you even need to bother to remake this movie? But at the same time, if you want to, hey, knock yourself out. Yeah, that you know, there is like a very specifically that type of thing going on right now where they're like, hey, let's remake all of the new French extremity movies. Mm-hmm. That's like in the middle of going on They're They're remaking Goodnight Mommy. Really? Yeah. OK. I don't know why. <laughs> I just think to me, it's like that movie stands alone on its own. And, and 
you know, like I would, I, but you know, who knows, you know, some, maybe somebody sees it and they just think, man, I'd love to have a take to, at that same kind of idea. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the problem was, is like someone pitched Goodnight Mommy 2 and they were like, ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what if we don't do this? What if we just like tell the same story again from a different perspective? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. That's our show, folks. Leave us a rating and a review telling people how we do what we are, why it's okay, or why they shouldn't. Yes. And uh, sh- suggest for us a movie to review, please. Uh, we've we've already reviewed one selection. It was great. Thank you for making the recommendation, Ramon. And mm-hmm. uh, let's see. You can reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at LoathsomePod, L-O-A-T-H-S-O-M-E, or at Facebook or on Facebook at Loathsome Things. Yeah, we love talking about movies, obviously. So if you yeah. want to, we just jabber about, about movies. Yeah, <laughs> just hit us up. Yeah, uh, John, what are your your final good feelings, bad feelings, good wishes, bad wishes, and other such nonsense for the people? Well, it's been um, a brutal couple years. Jesus, yes. And uh, hopefully, uh, since you're listening to this after Christmas. Uh, Hopefully you at least had a decent Christmas and had some time to uh, just relax and not worry about stuff so much. Yeah. Please, hopefully. That'd be good. Um, in always uh, watch movies. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you had a black Christmas. Oh, I guess happy new year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. New year, new listeners. Huh? Yeah, and next time we make noise into your ears, it'll be 2022. And hopefully uh, 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 it'll be a decent year this time. God, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, boy. I don't have... I don't know. We'll see. 2022. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye now.